You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Feel the pride, man. I got something we like are, that over here. So. We, we are victorious. Oh, I got this I, this thing. Quest Quest Diagnostics. <laughs> always be advertising. <laughs> yeah, Grump. Uh, we are recording this on a Monday night, and we are happy. I Why am happy. happy. Yeah. Win's a win. You know, we, we live in a very cynical world where, you know, everybody, you know, has to be, you know, a smart ass on Twitter or snarky, but. I've know, kind of made a career of that, actually. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, something, don't take wins for granted. You know, at some point in the rest of our lifetime, maybe later than sooner, but this Giants football team will be good again. And. You know, we'll be winning 10, 11, 12 games a year. Don't take those wins for granted. I mean, like, I, I, you know, lean years like this when wins are few and far between and we're happy and we celebrate and we feel like, you know, a big weight is you know, lifted from our shoulders. Remember this feeling when we get good again because it's important to savor these wins and, you know, nurture them, keep them in your, in your, your memories. You know, I, this is a little, you know, a little hyperbole here, but... I'm just happy we won, and you know it, it's a big commitment being a Giant fan. You know, you know what it's like to go to the Meadowlands. You know, you have to schlep all the way out there. We take you know a few trains. We walk all the way to the tailgate. We have a good time with uh, with our boys tailgating, and we go to the game. And for three hours, we're you know living and dying every play. You come home, you're exhausted. It's it's a lot of effort, and it's nice every once in a while to be rewarded with a victory. So, thank you, Giants, and. We're on our way to uh, bigger and better things, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I think we, I think we all went to bed, you know, last night with a smile on our face as we drifted off to sleep, recapping well, I, the game and whatever. Well, I was super pissed because I went to the Nick game after, and then they they yeah, that's your completely problem. pissed away the game. So, you know, all the good feelings I had from one to four, kind of part of them were flushed away, uh, you know, from from six to nine thirty, but point being made but the giant side of my brain was very happy last night yeah and you know what the the feeling on sunday what about what about the feeling during the game i mean i it, we'll get into the game and like the intricacies of what was good what was bad but it was pretty exciting i mean we got a pick sure. six in there a strip sack to end the game you know there was another big interception on a deep ball down there it, it was kind of fun i mean like I don't know. It, it felt like right from the get-go, the Giants' opening drive with the touchdown pass to Evan Ingram. You know, it felt like the crowd was never that like cynical Bronx cheery crowd that that's been even when we've won game. Like even in the Carolina game, it felt like that, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was a dead building. That Carolina game. It this was. There was a bit of a buzz in here. I mean, there were a lot of Raider fans. There always is. Yeah, that's not unexpected. But you know. When you get a large fan base, and not like you know a rah rah fan base, like if there's a bunch of Packer fans, when you get you know a bunch of dicks come in, you know, and and and, and you can put Raider fans up there with Cowboy fans for front running style over you know substance type of fans, it's going to elicit emotion from you as as, as a Giant fan. So you had that going for you, where the the, the place was a little. You know, it was an exciting atmosphere, and anyway, because of that, and um, the first drive and that beautiful catch by Ingram, it kind of got this crowd going, and uh, it, it it lasted for the full three hours. Yeah, I mean, like even like rewatching it, I mean, actually looked more brutal than it felt like in, in the stadium. You know, I'm when I look back at it, I was remembering like, wow, like some kind of actual running game happening here, and like, you know. I, I, that's kind of sad. Wow, this is this is a pathetic podcast, but um, but it's it's, it's true. I mean, like I, the game wasn't really super exciting. I mean, offensively for both teams, they looked a little bit sluggish. Um, 
you know, and some of that was, you know, some really good defense. I mean, they have two really good edge rushers against our weak O-line, you know, and and just overall conservative gameplay. Uh, and, And, you know, quite frankly, we have a very good secondary that was making a decent offense look bad. Um, and it, so, you know, maybe the product was less exciting because there weren't a lot of long catches or anything like that. But, you know, there certainly was a lot of action. There was a lot of, I don't know, that was a fun, exciting game. I would have been pissed if yeah. we lost it. <laughs> we even had a oh. 25-yard missed field goal in this game. You know wow, we had everything. You know something? You say we were pissed if we would have lost. It makes the loss to Kansas City make makes me even more pissed. Because that was a that was a winnable game, which could could have changed the trajectory of the season i mean nobody had dallas you know playing as bad as they did and then you know if we if we sneak away with that winning kansas city win this game also you're looking at a team that's won three out of four and is only two behind dallas yeah. now there's still there's still you know we're still way in their rear view mirror right now but it would have been nice to put just enough of like yeah, they're sort of back there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just makes me more frustrated from that game. But that again, we're, we're talking a game that was eight days ago, seven, eight days ago, and you know the matter at hand is what happened, you know, on Sunday. And you know, even though it's not three out of four, it's two out of four. And this is not the, the dire straits we felt like we were in four weeks ago, for sure. Yeah, you know. <laughs> It's so frustrating because they they really started to like do some things once Andrew Thomas was out. Like what like the one guy they couldn't lose on the offensive line. I mean, when I watched him go down and not get up at the uh, what was it the Rams game? I forget what game that was. Uh, yeah. Once I saw that happen, I I was ready to chalk up the entire season in that moment, and it, what, I was like week four or something. You know, that's that's really my reaction to Andrew Thomas going down. So the fact that they've played up to this level of competition, even in losses, played up to that level of competition. You know, again against the Chiefs. You know, they, they beat the Raiders, they beat the Panthers without him. Uh, you know, I just kind of wish that they were playing at that level when they had him, because uh, I think there were some some games in there they could have done more you know well i mean we have a whole podcast dedicated to that so well that that goes back i think you know why you know wish they would have played that earlier well maybe if we didn't take the whole preseason off and didn't have this team prepared at the start of the season you might have seen those things when he was there i mean this season kind of really started with like week three and week four where they started to started to show signs of a team that was prepared to play games so my big hope for this offseason coming up is that there's a change in attitude to how the preseason's handled. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Um, you know, around the le- around the league too. I mean, as a football fan, you know, obviously we're Giant fans. We want the Giants to succeed, but you know, we want the product. You know, this is you know, Sundays are special, and you know, whether you have Red Zone or you're just flipping around channels or or whatever, you want to watch good product in the field and. You don't want to see garbage early on, you know. If you're also thinking about it from a gambling standpoint, you know most of you people out there are in survivor pools, and you don't want to be knocked out in week one because you think a team is going to be good, and they, you know, they crap the bed because they're not prepared to start the season. So let's 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 do what we used to do and, and prepare, you know, use the preseason for what it's supposed to be is preparation for for the season. So let's start on the defensive side of the ball. The defense really. Uh was the star of this game. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, okay, whatever. I, I gave Patrick Graham a star. That's not really where I meant to go with that. But the defense was the highlight of this team on Sunday. You know, um, they uh, they really turned Derek Carr into, like, a just a complete check-down QB. Who, you know, and, then, and they even baited him into throwing downfield where he shouldn't have, you know. Uh, I think that they just completely spun his head around, and I think that they were they were just lost offensively. I mean, to the point where it seemed like they did they forgot that they were doing pretty well at running the ball and like getting Josh Jacobs the ball in stride and, and things like that. They were they were doing some things that worked, and then they just they got away from it when I, I guess when the pick six happened. But I mean, Jacobs got hurt too. Yeah, but I mean like. The, there were also just concepts, and that they started to revisit it super late in the game. But I think that they had 
yeah, like in that in that final drive towards the end zone, they started to revisit some of the concepts that were working, and whatever. But um, yeah, so you were talking kind of about like the preseason and and going into this season and just kind of resting a little bit, maybe you know. It seems to me that like Patrick Graham wants to run this man coverage scheme, and uh, they went out, they got Adoree Jackson to help with that, and that certainly does help. And you know he wants to run a lot of exotic blitzes and, and things like that, and just stay into man coverage, be more aggressive up front. And it, it just it wasn't working at the beginning of the year, and they've just they've just thrown it away now, and they're just going to go back to what was working last year, which is like flood the defensive backfield, a very bend don't break defense. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they just aren't able to get any pressure with the front four guys. But that's right. Credit to, you know, at this point, I don't know who who it is who's commanding that we just abandon that shit and move on. But you know, whether it's Patrick Graham himself, whether it's Joe Judge, whatever, whether it's John Mara, it doesn't really matter. This scheme that Patrick Graham has implemented now for essentially two years, I guess a year and a half has been I mean I don't want to say lights out but it's been remarkable considering you know it it keeps it keeps this team with a limited offense right now in games and yeah. that's all you could really ask I think that's that's the bottom line I mean as this team you know over time hopefully overhauls the offensive line some more gets these guys healthy again they ever see Barkley again they ever get receivers that are healthy again they're not going to be relying on having to play like these low scoring slogs. But until that moment happens, their only chance to win games is to keep it low. They're not going to win shootouts. So, you know, this is working for now. I mean, you know, this type of bend don't break is they get their, they're, they're not generating a pass rush on their own and they've been trying and they've been trying and credit to the, the coaching staff, whoever makes those calls or whatever, they're adjusting on the fly. I mean, how many coaches do we see that are stubborn and don't make changes? So at least they are kind of adapting to what works, what doesn't work, the personnel they have, who's not injured, and then all those things. Yeah, and and on top of that, they they also kind of audibled on us. You know, surprise healthy scratch for this game was O'Shane Zimenez. I mean, just benching the draft pick and and playing Quincy Roche, who was I mean also a draft pick, but picked up on the waiver wire. You know what I mean? Like. Right. They're going to play right. him. They're going to play Trent Harris. You know, those guys got playing time. I mean, Ellerson Smith has been hurt all year on IR. They've activated him, and he was active for that game. He can't possibly be in, like, game-ready game shape. shape. Yeah, but I well, mean, he just well, can't we just, be. We, we just talked about how this team took three weeks to be in game shape because of the preseason, so there's zero chance he'd be ready. But I mean, there's also the fact that this guy was at Northern Iowa. He didn't even have a 2020 season in college. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just not possible. So I mean, either this is a pretty extreme punishment for him jumping off sides last week, or <laughs> I mean, right? That has to be completely ridiculous. I mean, that just has to be another. Uh, that's cutting off your nose to spite your face. It's like that's not in the best interest of the team to prove a point. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it's it it's not completely ignored. It's either strictly because of that, or that was that was just another part of his overall unimpressive play. You know what I mean? Like on top of the fact that he jumped off sides, he's just not very good at getting after the quarterback. He's not exceedingly good at anything. I mean, he's just <laughs> there. Um, and here we have Quincy Roche. I, inexplicably fell pretty far in the draft and then inexplicably cut from Pittsburgh is, you know, we're getting something out of him. You know. So, mm-hmm. you know, hats off for adjusting on the fly. Yeah. And also, if you want to put that in the ledger for Dave Gettleman for finding him and bringing him in, because, you know, we're in the business of not giving him any credit for anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, fair enough. Um, and he found him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Does that come at the expense of Dave Gettleman drafting O'Shane Zimenez, though? Well, I mean, that's... A, <laughs> this, this is like... It, but the draft picks a sunk cost. It's like, what do you do now? Yeah, and, no, I, 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 I agree. I mean, like, you, you take that for what it is now. I mean, you, you, you draft who you draft, and they either pan out or they don't. I mean, if they're not a right. second-round pick or higher, I mean, there's a 
there's a decent chance that they won't pan out. So yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and just because someone is a second round pick or a third round pick or a first round pick, that doesn't mean they have carte blanche to play like garbage for three, four, five years. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's you know, you're drafted great. Now you're a member of the roster, and you have to earn your way for playing time into the starting rotation. You know, blah blah blah. So good that they're not playing the uh the patronage system of well you're a first round pick so you get special privilege and more longer leash than other players are um yeah i'm trying to think of an example where that might be and i don't know i i feel like there probably is some instance of that somewhere i mean i don't know why nate ebner is here it's not really a draft status thing but whatever uh, you know there's always contract considerations uh you know who knows yeah. you know maybe just they maybe the guy's a great practice player just doesn't pan out i i don't know yeah i guess it's one of those uh heads in the room kind of kind of mm-hmm. signings or something let's talk about xavier mckinney here um obvious star Let's... for the game right um you know just another one of those guys in the secondary but i mean he's the guy who came up pretty big here and it, and i was in game like pretty pissed, pretty critical of him. You know, there was a there was a long completion to Darren Waller where it looked like he didn't kind of drive on it. He just kind of jumped up like it was gonna, the ball was going to come to him. And you know, obviously Darren Waller just kind of jumped right in front of him, took the catch, or whatever. And I I was pretty pissed about that. And pff, that was probably the only play in the game that I had any issue with Xavier McKinney. <laughs> and following that, the pick six right out of the gate in the second half. I mean, just absolutely great. Just jumped right in front of the rabbit. It's a bad pass by Derek Carr as well, being behind Hunter Renfro. But also, Hunter Renfro wasn't really that open. I mean, it kind of had to be a perfect pass to even be completed. So, you know, jumps right in front of the route, takes it to the house. Also, <laughs> I love how he just, like, casually right arms Renfro right into the dirt uh, yeah. on his way in there. <laughs> and then later on, you know, the Giants audible into this single high look where he's playing center field and just reads it, it, i mean and this is the the, the way it, it seems that they um kind of baited Derek Carr into audibling into like a like a some kind of double move deep ball or something like that because Xavier McKinney broke on that shit like immediately was yeah. going to that side and there there was reason to believe that it could have come to the other side so they must have seen something that they thought that they could bait him into and and it worked um mm-hmm. Absolutely, so, and, and both of those plays were absolutely critical. Absolutely critical to this game. I mean, without the pick six, I'm not sure that we. I mean, who knows if we're even in it at that point? You know, if we're going to generate enough offense to win a game like that. So, I mean, that's kind of been one of the problems with this team, as you know, the ability to get chunk plays for quick points and defensive turnovers, which either shorten the field for your offense or instant points. So. Getting that changes everything. It's just less stress on your offense to to have to score, and to, you know, it's not easy when you're grinding out long, long drives every time to score. It's um, it's kind of easy to forget that this is only McKinney's 14th game. Yeah, so he missed so much time last year. Mm, that's right. It was um, like the, we were just kind of waiting. It's like we knew we had this guy, but you know, we had to wait till he's healthy and. Now he's finally healthy, and it's good. Yeah, yeah. It it kind of feels like we're starting to see him, like the potential of him being our free safety. Like he's kind of growing in front of our eyes because his, mm-hmm. his time was split between years. Right. Um, I, I mean, hats off. That, that was some game from him. I, I didn't really expect him to be the benefactor of uh, turnovers. How about this? Who would have guessed that if two quarterbacks were to come out of this game, one would have one fumble and two interceptions, and the other would have one fumble? Who would have guessed it would be Daniel Jones with only one fumble? Well, me, because he hasn't had that many turnovers in the last, you know, two-thirds of the season so far. You know, he had a bunch early on, and really the number of, of, of turnovers he has has not been a lot. And also... We talked about this at the game. Quarterbacks turn the ball over sometimes. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. You know, if there's a strip sack or something or a hit from the backside or, you know, somebody jumps a route and the other team makes a play, there's going to be a pick. It happens. 
So we can't all of a sudden, every time there's a turnover, even though they may not have had one in five games, been like, oh, same old Daniel Jones. He never learns. It's like, no. I mean, you can just, just chart it. You can see the amount of turnovers has gone down over time. And, you know, the other team makes plays too. He's not throwing against air. He's not, you know, running around in his shorts in, in, in August, like just, you know, taking a snap from center or waiting and, and throwing. So I think we have to stop. I, I, I think it was like two or three weeks ago I said I stopped evaluating Daniel Jones as can he be a starter and just said, well, he's my starting quarterback. And Right, yeah. And I think that was after the Saints game or something like that. Yeah, and that's, that's another example. It's like he fumbled. It's like, all right, well, he fumbled. I mean – Eli Manning's going to fumble. You know, uh, Tom Brady fumbles. Tom Everybody Brady fumbles. fumbles. Ben Roethlisberger's going to fumble. Everybody does. So it's it's it. Having a game where you have a clean game with no turnovers is rather rare. You know, it happens. I would. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm guessing less than fifty percent of the time you play with no turnovers. There's always going to be something that happens. So let's it, it, it really is like the dumbest thing because if he's turnover prone, then so is Derek Carr. They but they both have eight turnovers this year. Yeah, it's exactly. like whatever. I mean, you're right. It's time to just look at him as like a quarterback, and a quarterback has the ball, and occasionally people who have the ball drop it. You know, it's just it just happens. You know, they have the ball in their hands for like 45 minutes of the game. Um, but yeah, so uh, I don't know. Is there anything else particularly on the defense that stood out to you? You know, they kept everything in front of them, like you said. We think this is a new, you know, going back to last year's philosophy. Um, I, I mean, do you think when we play better offenses down the line, this is the way to play defense against these teams? Or or you think this is just how we're playing now, just, you know, dealing with the injuries that we have? Well, this, is I don't think, is a reaction to injuries. I think this is a reaction to we don't generate enough disruption with only four or five, sometimes five guys. I mean, we generate yeah. nothing. So, you know, this the man coverage, it's it's asking way too much of even, you know, really good man corners because, I mean, the quarterback isn't even panicking. He's not even moving off the spot from our pressure. So, I mean, I think this is more of a reaction to, like, there's just literally no edge presence on this team, you know. And so we're, it's just like we're just going to get gashed if we keep doing this. So we might as well go back to what we did last year because we had no edge presence, you know? That makes sense. That makes sense. That's my – I mean it's my theory. I, I could be wrong, but I mean as I'm watching it, it's like we watched the, the, the first couple weeks. It's not really like the corners are way off in coverage or anything like that. It's, it's decent coverage, but the quarterback has so much time to pinpoint his laser. Like I mean it's practice well, it for him. Seemed, it seemed like the beginning of the year they were playing – a a lot further off than they are now. That seems to be the second adjustment, I think. Well, that that as well, yeah. Those were like a lot of the underneath things. I mean, they were just running, you know, six-yard stop routes because we were playing 10 yards off the ball. Exactly, and just yeah. they were trickling down the field that way. I, I, to, I still don't know what the purpose of that was. I don't know if that was just fear that our safeties couldn't get over top and we didn't want to get beat deep or, or what that was, but... I I couldn't figure that one out, but yeah, you're right. I I had forgotten about how like soft we were playing sometimes in coverage. Mm-hmm. But the good uh, thing is, it's not happening as much anymore. So no, um, I will say here here is the one thing I'm going to say. Um, I am giving a fart on the defensive side for the tackling again, um, especially in the secondary. It's been an issue for a few weeks, and and it's cropping up again. Look, if we're going to play this, if we're going to play this coverage and swarm defense where we're only rushing four and maybe we have a linebacker as a spy or something and then when everybody else is kind of just converging down, then you have to converge down because the eliminating the yak is everything at that point because you're giving up already. You're giving up five, four, six yards on these passes, just just giving them the route. But you got to stop them right there. That's the whole point of this. And, you know, there were a lot of instances on Sunday where there was some really poor tackling in the secondary. I mean, there were also some really good ones. Logan Ryan had an excellent tackle on third down to keep Hunter Renfro from getting any yak whatsoever, spun him down to the ground, forced a fourth down. I think that was the 25-yard missed field goal, actually. So it was even yes, more important. Yes. Um, 
but 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 there were plenty of instances of bad ones, you know. And it's got that. If if we're gonna play this, that's fine. I I I think I get why, and it seems to work. But we have to get the tackling under control. Absolutely, that's that's the only way Ben don't break doesn't work. As long as you don't break, and then yeah. this tackle is a break. Yeah, exactly. And just one more thing on Xavier McKinney before we we flip over to the offensive side. Man, uh, he almost didn't play yesterday. Do you imagine that? <laughs> Serendipity, as uh, Walt Frazier would say in the Nick games. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ironic that uh, he was almost out, and he is the the star of the game in our book. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where if he he played, we'd be doing this podcast. Is like ah, you know, I think maybe if Xavier McKinney, we had a shot. You know what I mean? Like it's like actually seeing that in 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 you know in reality it's kind of weird um let's flip over yeah so to the offensive side of the ball um really really conservative game plan uh uh they 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 did lean pretty heavily on the run which was something i thought that we could we could really exploit you know we try to run a lot we run a lot of heavy formations they don't really have that many big guys on the defensive line anyway i mean like right from the get-go they're not really a run first defense anyway uh, so that kind of played to our advantage, even though we're not really good at running the ball. It's just something we try to do. Um, we saw and, we saw a couple of three tight end sets, didn't we? Yeah, well, we saw some three tight end sets without a tight end. I mean, we yeah. had we had oh, and, and also uh, there was like one play where we went out there in the heaviest possible formation. Oh, well, I guess not, but uh, we went out in there into like a three tight end set with Corey Cunningham, practice squad tackle playing tight end as you know jumbo <laughs> tight end next to nate solder and i think like kyle rudolph was next to him or something and he just completely whiffed on max crosby and De- Devonte booker lost three yards i shouldn't laugh because that is actually not funny at all um but it was a total a, a total disaster but yeah. overall we had one of the best running game days that i can remember in a while i mean booker ran and 21 carries for 99 yards is a 4.7 average are numbers that i haven't said for anyone outside of barkley who had like a couple of like 200 yard gains in like 2019 and the thing we kept saying during the game was you know oh if that was barkley that's 30 yards Mm. if that was barkley that goes to the house so you know we are dealing with a backup running back who is, you know, playing really, really well, you know, behind a banged up line and they were still executing. Yeah. And that that's the encouraging thing is you're seeing the execution and we're just not seeing quite the skill set that we need to turn a five yard run into a 20 yard run or getting to the next level or something. But at least they're doing their job and doing what they need to do now. So you can, you know, it is about extending drives and moving the chains and, you know, field position and time possession all that's very 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 important so nice to see one thing i did notice i don't think there was a single zone read run Mm-mm. um i mean that- outside of the Kadarius tony trick play which was stupid um i wonder I, that, I i think that's by design i think they're making a conscious effort to keep daniel jones healthy i think it's a combination of things i think that they want to not bang him around too much um i think that they are trying not to rely on that too much in general. Like I don't I think they want to use that to its fullest advantage by not overusing it. You know what I mean? Like I think they want to keep yeah. that play, you know, in their back pocket for games where we haven't used it in a while and teams may have forgotten about it. You know? Yeah, but you know something it, it's it's pretty successful. It you know? you know, it's been less and less successful the last couple of weeks though. I mean, yeah, it's still, it's still some of our best plays, but I mean, we there there was times in the past where we've run that play and it's only gone for like 15 yards or more, um, and then you know the last couple of weeks is like if we're you know they're kind of they're just playing disciplined football, so it's not really even Daniel Jones running anymore. He's just handing it off because they are covering Daniel Jones as a runner. You know what I mean? It's okay. it's like it just looks like a draw play, but they are zone read runs. So it's really just not working anymore because... But it's also a complimentary play, too. I mean, this isn't exactly. college where that's the offense. You know, you've seen plenty of teams in college where they just run that every play, and it's just like he's just reading that crashing uh, end coming in. Yeah. I mean, okay, if we if we run it five, six, seven times a game here, that's not like you're just 
overusing it to death, but not using it at all to me is a bit of a disadvantage. Yeah. Because Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones still probably right now is probably our most gifted runner <laughs> on the current active roster. Um, I wonder also if they maybe just had a little bit more respect for the speed of Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby at end. Um, though both, I mean, to me, I would think that both of those guys would be people you can exploit for overrunning, being over aggressive, jumping inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, maybe they disagree, or or maybe there were some zone read runs and I just missed it. But I, I mean, I rewatched the game twice. I, I I don't remember seeing any. Again, my thought was during the game, it's they're trying to keep Daniel Jones upright, and they're you know they don't want him. You know, they're trying to minimize when they want him to get hurt. Yeah, I, I do think that's part of it. I don't I don't think that you're wrong in that. I just I think it's a little bit more than just that. Oh, it could be a combination of things too. Um, but you know to. To, to to not take anything away from it, Devontae Booker did have a really good game. Like I said, 21 carries for 99 yards, 4.7 yard average. He had a long of 20 yards for this game, but also in the receiving game, three catches on three targets for 23 yards. So he went over 100 gets, for the day. He gets a star. Yeah, he got the game ball in the locker room too from Joe Judge. Is that two games that are over, over 100 combined yards? Ooh, I don't know. I'm going to look that up. Um... But also, he looks like he's just running better um, at the same time. It's like there were times in in the past couple games where you could see a hole was kind of opening up and, you know, he's kind of banging through there and not really looking upright and he's not running to the hole that opened up. He's, you know what I mean? There's there's a couple of times where there's like a wide open hole and he just missed it or something like that. It seems like now he's really just bursting through there. I mean, there was, we had like a third and one or something and he gained like, 20 yards on it. He just kind of ripped right through the backside hole on the left. Um, I, I I mean, I thought he ran really, really well. And he he went out because I think he got banged up, and Eli Penny came in, and he also had some success as well. It looked like, a, looked like an NFL running back, like a starting running back is what he looked like, which is you know, great. Let's build some depth back there because, you know, at some point when Barkley comes back, we're going to need a rotation anyway, so it's good to know you can count on him. Yeah. Um, that was my only offensive star. I did want to give an honorable mention though to Evan Ingram. I think he uh, started to play a little bit better as well. That was my star. That was your star. All right, you go ahead. You tell me all about Evan. Ingram. I was I was him a star because you know the guy's caught a lot of grief from Giant fans. He's been, you know, he's been a choke artist. Let's be honest. In, in the when we need him the most, he's failed the the biggest you know spotlights. You know. You know, big plays and big points of games against our biggest rivals on national TV where everybody sees it. Apparently, those who vote for the Pro Bowl don't see it, but we see it. And that was a hell of a catch, that touchdown. And we need him. You know, he's not going to – he didn't get traded the deadline. He's going to be here the rest of the year. We have a long season left. We have a wide receiver crew that just shuffles in and out being injured or just not getting the targets they should or for whatever reason, you know – we're going to count on him, and we're going to need him to make plays and be part of that rotation. So that was, to me, very important, that catch, that there's still confidence in him, in this coaching staff, this quarterback, the rest of this team, that he can be a weapon for the rest of the year. So I'm giving him like kind of like a, a pat on the back star. You know, <laughs> good catch, but good job, buddy. Keep it up. Uh, man, you had it all the way up to the end, and then you just like the most backhanded compliment ever. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's like I'm going to put this game right on the fridge for you. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, I'm, listen, he's, I'm not going out and running and getting an Evan Ingram jersey tomorrow. But yeah, you know, I, I get it. You're right. You're right. I'm going to give credit where credit is due, and I think it was, uh, I maybe that kind of turns something around for him the rest of this year, and he's more, more a part of the offense. It makes more big plays and things, but. Um, that was a big play, and it was it was it was a great catch too. Great throw as well. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It was a great throw, but it was not a perfect throw. I mean, a perfect throw would have been a little bit higher, so it would have been out of reach. But that was a that was a great catch. I mean, he just kind of plucked it right out of the air, and then just he stayed upright and everything. That was that was, that was good. Um, a thirty yard pass play. Also, they kind of used him on a vertical route, which is what I've been screaming about since pretty much draft day with him. <laughs> um, yeah. So. You know, it's nice enough, but 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 also he went three for three for thirty-eight yards. He got the touchdown, but also had a twelve-yard 
defensive pass interference called on him um, on a second and 13. So when we were back to, I think that might have been after the three yard loss from Booker. We ran so. him out on like a wheel and he, he drew eh, kind of a weak DPI, but I mean, he, hey, I, he, he was, he had a, a week at this point. <laughs> but I mean, he had a guy like dragging behind him and he passed him. He was uh, getting open. I honestly think it was kind of a bad pass by Jones, but you know, these are, these are things that, that DPI does so much for this offense. Being in second and 13 is almost insurmountable for this offense. So getting that DPI is, is incredibly valuable. I mean, sure, sure. It just, it just is. I mean, all right, you want to go into how much the offense sucks? I mean, what do you want to talk about? Let me ask you something. How would you evaluate Jason Garrett over the last three, four weeks as opposed to the beginning of the season? Are you seeing any more things that you like, or is it just your opinion hasn't changed much of his play calling? And I'm not talking about the overall philosophy. You're just talking yeah, about the play calling? Uh, both. I mean, and let's not include in that because I know fans are so quick to say, you know, Going forward as opposed to kicking, oh, that's Garrett. That's oh, not yeah, Jason yeah. Garrett. That's no, the no. head coach. I was arguing with someone on Twitter about that. That's a, Those type of decisions in a game are made by the head coach. Now, Jason Garrett said it himself. Yeah. I mean, the offensive coordinator has been hired to kind of run a basic philosophy that a head coach wants. But decision-making and key points of the game, that's not like, okay, which running back are we going to play on, on this play or what type of play. It's, you know – Punt or, or go for it, field goal or go for it. That's done by the head coach. Yeah. But back to my back to my question though, do you are you feeling better about the play calling of Jason Garrett, or are you still in the same mindset you were a month ago with him? Uh, um. Well, I don't know where I don't know where the the call was coming from to be super conservative anymore. You know, we we initially just straight up blamed Garrett because it was easy to lump the overall philosophy of being of being conservative in with the conservative play calling. You know, it seems like it's one idea when it's like that. But, yeah. you know, as we've seen, you know, just conservative time management by Joe Judge, conservative everything from Joe Judge, and the play I, the play calling is sort of opening up. I mean, to answer your question, overall, I mean, there, there's, there's problems with this offense. And I, I think it's to mask problems on the offensive line. It's a reaction to it, but I think it's an overreaction. It's way, way, way too conservative. That could, that could be. I mean, it's not, we're not seeing you know, open, you know, open season on Daniel Jones every play. You know, it's not a, a an offensive line's gas every play by a pass rush. I mean, it's not ideal. It's not optimal. We're not getting gaping holes for the running backs to run through, but it's not also the sieve that it could be or has been either. Maybe we need to play call around the, this new reality of what it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I I think you know I I get it. You know, I I do. I get the fact that you you come into this season and you're like, well, Andrew Thomas, you know. He's good. We think he's good, but he's still got to keep getting better. And the other side, I mean, we just don't know. I mean, when you go into the season kind of thinking like that, you're already holding back because you, you just don't trust it. And then Andrew Thomas goes down. I, I get it. I understand where this is coming from. But it's 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 asking too much of, you know, the people involved. It's asking too much of... Daniel Jones to throw a perfectly placed ball every time he has to drop back and throw. Yeah. It's asking too much of that receiver to make a contested catch or win on those routes when he's only looking at two guys. You're asking those two guys to execute perfectly. And I know they're professionals and whatever, but they're playing against professionals. This is not how the game is played. The reason other teams are yeah. more successful is because they don't do that. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier in the broadcast. Uh, you know, We said that these guys aren't playing against air. Yeah, they're they're playing against NFL guys and sometimes against really really good NFL guys too. They are going to make plays. Um, I I think it's I think the play calling is getting uh, they're opening up the books a little more. I think Definitely. more of that. I think more of that is I think is on is because of Daniel Jones more than you know perceptions of the offensive line or, or out there. I I think Daniel Jones is getting more and more command of this offense. Hmm. He just seems a lot more comfortable under center than he was even earlier this year. You know, he, he doesn't look like a guy is trying to figure things out. He's not you, – you never see the play clock running down to one and zero. Uh, That's true. 
he looks like he's he's getting it and the more he gets it the more they're going to feed him with you know the complete book you know that that's fair because you know a lot of this offense is relying on timing and you can see that the timing is off i mean even from the beginning we run these like jet sweep like fake handoffs the ball's not even snapped yet you know you can see the throws are mistimed coming out of the break. And and some of that mistiming is due to the fact that Daniel Jones isn't comfortable in the pocket because he's got guys in his face so fast. Some of it is that, but some of it is is probably just because he's never comfortable. This rhythm just never starts. I mean, like, you know, I think even in practice, the first string defense is in his face. You know what I mean? It's just he's – I don't – I don't want to blame it like all in one place, right? Because at a certain point, like Jones has to get better. You know, these receivers have to get better. The coaches have to coach better. You know, there's a million things that need to be tweaked and better. But I think the fact that like his O line can't even block his own D line in practice to to you know what I mean? It, it just they just never just seem just, like they're in a rhythm to get the timing down. It just there's just, never like a full drive where it feels like it's just bam, 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 bam. It never feels like that except opening scripted drives. I think a lot of that to do with the offensive line, a lot to do with also, you know, every week we've had a different assortment, a cast of characters of what receivers are available. Yeah, to. that's definitely another challenge. I mean, if we had two games in a row where we've had the same, you know, three receivers play. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe two games in a row from that, the that, Saints that to has, Dallas or something. That has to impact your timing and just, you know, everything. Everything is off a little bit. You have to adjust to it and constantly adjust. So that's, you know, we, we talk about the offensive line you know, being issues, but just who's being shuffled in and out is impacting as well, yeah. which makes everything Daniel Jones is doing more and more impressive with all of the, you know, the headwinds he's facing this season. It just, it's just so, fr- like, like I said, like I do get it. But I hope when Andrew Thomas comes, I, I hope that they are figuring something out. They're taking the next 14 or whatever days to sit down with like a pot of coffee, a pencil, and some pieces <laughs> of paper to draw something up from when Andrew. T- Dude, whatever, man. I don't care what they do. I want, I want something different when Andrew Thomas comes back in the lineup. Hopefully after the bye week, because well, you know they went out and they bought Kenny Galladay. Okay. He's not even being used when he's in the game. And when we do throw to him, he makes the catches in this game. Two catches, well, two targets. Let's, I, I'm going to give that a little bit of a pass because it was his first game back. I mean, Kadarius Tony. Uh, we, we gave yeah. him some, some horseshit trick plays. And then the one that, play that he's targeted as an actual receiver, he picks up like 11 yards and, and a first down. I'm going to give a fart to Jason Garrett. And I think I'm going to give a fart to this whole league, I think. This league is becoming a little too, if not dependent on, just too predictable on the trick plays. I mean, if you just go around red zone and you're watching these random games, how many times are you seeing a halfback option or a Philly special or or something? It's like, and how often do you see them actually being successful? It seems like it's a pretty low percentage play and just unnecessary. I mean, I I railed against when we did it – that, that, you know, giant special where I wouldn't want Daniel Jones getting hurt right after a concussion. I, I just the, – the potential for success for it isn't great enough to be doing these silly plays. And to me, they're wasted plays. So I would like to see an, enough. Kadarius Tony again, I watched every snap with that guy four years in college. I think I saw him throw it once. And now he's had, what, three attempts so far with the Giants? It's like three, three and three weeks, basically. Yeah, enough. I mean <laughs> – <laughs> I, the I old man silly. cranky fan over here. I well, I mean, it's just you know, what are we getting out of it? It takes I think it takes the offense out of rhythm, and I think you know there's there's greater chance for penalty, there's greater chance for turnover. It's just the risk reward is just not there for me. I, I, you know, I I think you're kind of right. What we're seeing now with trick plays around the league, it does kind of feel like. You have to do what, it. Like, what was it like? Two thousand ten, or or something? Maybe two thousand nine, when um, like Tony Sperano was the coach of the Dolphins and ran like the Wildcat, and then like the whole league implemented some version of the Wildcat into their thing and played it once a game. I want to say it was a little earlier than that, but yeah, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, it is kind of like that. It, it, <laughs> With, it, like, it, the Philly specials and stuff around the league. Like, every, every team has it now. It's always been a copycat league, but it almost seems like when teams doing it, it's, like, so forced. Like, we have to do it. You know, we don't want to – it's like we don't want to keep our timeouts in, you know, in our – going to halftime and keep them in our pockets. Like, we don't want to we, – we, we came up with our trick plan. We have to do it at some point. And then when they have it, they have to execute it. It's like, you know, if the, if the throw isn't there, just put it in your pocket and, and run for three yards. But, no, they got to throw it. So All right. I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Um, they've been they've been overusing Tony as the quarterback gadget guy. I, you know when they drafted him and people were like, "Oh, you guys drafted a gadget guy." I was like the guy who was like, "He's not a gadget receiver. He is an actual receiver that just also happened to play quarterback in high school." Like, I, and I even said like, "I can't see us using him in trick situations very much." Like, I thought it would happen, but earlier in his Ader, earlier in his Florida career, he was a bit of a gadget guy. I mean, also. The Gators had, you know, they had guys like Van Jefferson and Freddie Swain and, you know, Kyle Pitts on the roster. They had NFL-ready receivers ahead of him. So how to get him onto the field and get that talent onto the field was to be a guy who was doing getting in end rounds and wide, lining up as a wide uh, as a running back every once in a while and crazy stuff. But they didn't do. He didn't throw the ball at Florida, and it's just like. It became a story during the draft, right after the draft. It was like, oh, somebody realized he was a high school quarterback, and that became a narrative. And it's like they have to kind of coach up to the narrative that really isn't a reality. And I, I just, well, okay. So now, now you're now you're venturing too far in where I'm saying. So I, I think that in this circumstance where we've seen him do it a bunch of times in a row now, I think it's been worked in as a way to. Um, open up the offense without good blocking. You know what I mean? Like they expect at this point that this offense is they're going to have to throw something in there to get chunk plays because it's not very good. So I think they've overused it the same way that I think they've started to overuse the zone read for Daniel Jones. I mean, as you're running it constantly, it's going to stop working. Um, and I think that's why. I don't think that they... A drafted him for this, and B, I don't think that they saw that he can do this. And they're like, "Yes, we need to run this all the time." I think this is a reaction again to the injuries on the team and the deficiencies in the offensive line. I mean, they're just—they can't run an offense right now. They need chunk plays. I'm going to push back a little on the zone read. If you overuse it, it won't work because the zone read doesn't have one outcome every time you run it. I mean, it's you know. You can either stick it in the uh, in the running back's belly and he goes, or you pull it back out and you do something with it. So, if you execute the same way over and over, it could be overused and be ineffective. But if you're running it well, it should be almost like, you know, reading that reading that uh, that edge rusher's eyes and and doing that right decision. It comes down to decision making as much as execution. Where uh, this, I, I get it, but I mean. Again, when you run a zone read, what you are really counting on is that someone is going to overplay their position. Somewhat, you're counting on someone being too aggressive, which is the same concept of uh, like and, a, a wide receiver and, throwback. And, to commit, and also to commit. Also. Well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's what that is. You th- you throw to, to Kadarius Tony on the left side and he's going to actually aim deep. That's, that's to get guys crashing forward so that this guy going deep is wide open. It's the same concept. It's the same trickery. It's, 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 it's exploiting their aggressiveness and, and not playing to their assignment and who they're supposed to do. So, I mean, it's the same kind of idea. And again, you know, you're, you're right because the zone read is, is a two-option thing. If the guy does play his key correctly, then you just hand it off and you, you still have a viable play there. Whereas if you do the trick play and people re- – you've – You've lost. I mean, that's a nothing play now, pretty much. So okay. it is slightly different, but um, I'm actually going to swing my dishonorable mention somewhere else. I've, I've given the offensive game planning a fart. We're in agreement there. Um, Keon Crossan. <laughs> I mean, this is the special teams guy, and he did make up for it a little bit at the end. He forced a fumble in a very, very late game on the punt to them you know we didn't recover it but i mean he can only do so much on that so whatever but he gets the penalty for lighting up the punter i rewatched it i think i think maybe he didn't know that the play was not going on behind him anymore and his guy was the punter but that is no excuse for (laughs) it's like really just drilled this dude it was really stupid 
And then also the next punt is the one where it was just flying down. It was just rolling with a Giants bounce. And I guess he thought that they touched it. So he ran up there and grabbed it and stopped the forward advance. I mean, you're the special teams guy. Two special teams fucking mistakes. I mean, come on, man. That can't happen. He was very adamant pretty much right away. Who? We're recording this as we're watching the Monday night game is on, and Chicago just scored twice in. Nope, never mind. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> oh, you know what it was? It was um, Roethlisberger like threw forward, and the ball came out of his hands. So they're calling it incomplete, but it really could have been a fumble. Ah. Uh. Oh, it's a clear incomplete. But it, they just scored on a uh, on a uh, a turnover. Six points. It was almost almost two touchdowns in like a minute, not from their offense. That would have been something. So, sorry for that. Uh, yeah, what? <laughs> that drift. <laughs> uh, what was it? Oh, I oh the, the punt. Yeah, he very quickly was motioning that, you know, it was touched, and he thought it was a turnover. So yeah, but I mean, he's, gonna, you have to see Cam Brown is standing right there watching it. I mean, I I, I don't know. He looked like a total dummy when I. I mean, either way, it was a yeah, huge the, mistake. The, the result was he looked like a total dummy. That is correct. Well, thankfully, that's all that result was. I mean, it could have yes. been, you know, who knows? I mean, that could have been a safety for something. You know what I mean? Who knows how long that would have rolled for? Mm-hmm. We, we set them up inside their own five, and we just lose that opportunity. It's a game of inches, man. Right. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. We're going to, you know, maybe we'll do like an NFC East wrap-up or something like that, uh, you know, going into uh, the next week or something like that. But um, we're not taking the bye week off. We're going to be doing little little things here and there throughout the week. So stay tuned. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. He's at the cranky fan. This is at Just Giants Pod. Be sure to, you know, like and subscribe on YouTube as well, where these episodes, you know, are probably best enjoyed, in my opinion. Um <laughs> And, get, to uh, see our, get to see our smiling faces after a victory. Yeah, that's right. And our pouty faces when we lose. So um, we will see you in a couple of days. Go Giants. Go Giants.